0: Welcome to episode two of the Golfer and Yogini podcast where we talk about subjects that we are passionate about. My name is Kevin and I'm the golfer.
1: And my name is Mallory and I am the Yogini. On this podcast we get to talk with the lovely Alexis Donair, who is the proud owner of the Pantry SB. She talks about how she turned home cooking which is her passion into her career. Uh, We also noticed that the audio on this one was a little funny. I think we were still figuring out the right audio settings, but, you know, regardless, the content is awesome, and we know you will enjoy listening to the conversation we had with Alexis. Uh,
0: This episode is brought to you by Easy Golf League. (laughs) Have you heard of Easy Golf League, Mallory? Uh,
1: I've heard a little bit about that, yeah.
0: Do you use it in your yoga practice?
1: Mm, No.
0: I think it's probably mostly for golfers. I think so. Um, If you belong to a golf club and or are a manager of a golf club or a golf league and you're using spreadsheets and email and sign-up sheets and overall manually tracking um, your golf league or golf uh, club, uh, try tracking it with Easy Golf uh, League. Um, Using software that will facilitate all of that in one automated place, um, Easy Golf League is is a way to do that. With Easy Golf League, you will get live scoring, live leaderboard, online payment structure, and automated tracking of your entire club online, including tournament software and tournament scoring. Check it out at www.easygolfleague.com. That's the letter E, the letter Z, golfleague.com. So, last week was our first uh, episode, and I think we had... Quite a few subscribers, like over fifty, huh?
1: Yeah. And that was so only far. like yeah, so far within the past couple of days, which is super yeah, exciting. So less than a week. Thanks for listening, people.
0: Yeah, thanks everybody to all of our friends and all of our friends' friends who's who have subscribed to the podcast and have downloaded it. We <laughs> That's re-
1: assuming that uh, that the people who listened to it last week are, are back on here listening again.
0: Well, hopefully they will be. I'm we're, sure they will. We're be. definitely yeah. gonna ask them to listen to yeah. the other one. Is assuming they enjoyed our last one. <laughs>
1: That's what I
2: was saying.
0: Um, I got a lot of good feedback, so I'm, I'm confident that we're going to get just as many, if not more, yeah. um, for this particular episode. Um, plus, it's an exciting episode. It's not just us two, it's, got
1: our first, like you said,
0: the lovely Alexis Donair. Our
1: first uh, guest on there. Yes. Yeah.
0: And people, if you do enjoy uh, the podcast, we would appreciate it. If you um, write a review in iTunes, that's how we get to be an up-and-comer. So if we get a bunch of reviews early on, um, five-star reviews, if you appreciate it. I mean, I'm not asking you to lie. (laughs) Uh, But if you really enjoyed the podcast, please take the time to leave a review because that's how we'll get on the up-and-comers list and potentially get even more subscribers. So please do that. Um, We also have working with us is our producer, Kate. Um, who is helping us put together the podcast and organize it in a way that you guys can listen to it all in one streaming file and I think she did a really good job last week what do yeah you think?
1: she is awesome I, I know nothing about the production side of any of this but yeah it's I think she did a great job and um, I'm super impressed with her talent
0: So we are very thankful to have Kate producing our
1: podcast.
0: 100%. Uh, Speaking of Kate, uh, Kate, kick off the podcast. Kick it off, Kate. (laughs) We have to really talk real good, okay? (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) All right. So – My name's Mallory Dotman. Again, I'll introduce myself. I'm the yogini in the whole whole thing here. Um, And I'm excited to have my sister on as a guest. So um, why don't we just go and do like a little introduction?
0: Yeah. What's your sister's name?
1: Alexis. Did I not say that? Oh, Alexis, (laughs) my sister. And I wanted her to introduce
2: herself, but yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Alexis.
2: So I am Alexis Donner, um, the owner and operator of the Pantry SB. So I'll be uh, the voice of the cook on this podcast.
0: Great. Yeah. So Alexis, I don't know how much Mallory has told you, but this podcast um, that we've created, we already did an episode, which was just kind of like the intro episode, Um, but we just kind of talked about what we, what we do, what we're passionate about. And in this case, you know, I'm passionate about golfing and Mallory's passionate about yoga. And so it sounds like you're passionate around cooking.
2: Yeah. About getting people in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, so I, um, kind of stumbled into food as a profession. It wasn't something that I had gone to school for or that I, um, saw on my career track I was following the checklist of my life at the moment, which was go to school, uh, go to college, get a job within that field. um, I was at the Cancer Center in their research program. Um, I was there for about five years and was in a really comfortable place. It was a spot that I could have been for the foreseeable future. Um, And I wasn't quite certain that that's necessarily why I would want to continue that path. I started evaluating uh, why I was making some decisions and um, wanted to know what would happen if I stepped outside of that checkbox and um, had always been interested in food. Uh, Mallory and I grew up in a town outside of San Diego, uh, basically in the middle of nowhere, where if you wanted to make pizza, you made your pizza. And if you wanted to make Chinese or if you wanted to eat Chinese food, you had to make your Chinese and um, we were both pretty blessed with a mom and dad who both knew how to cook and knew how to cook on the fly. So it wasn't uh, complicated looking for recipes. It was, this is what we have in the fridge or the pantry, and this is what we can make for dinner tonight. That's
0: funny that you say that. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, uh, I always wondered, like, you know, what was for dinner or what what's for breakfast, Mom, or, you know, what are, what are you going to make? I'm hungry, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was as a kid, I was super skinny, but I was I was always hungry, you know. Yeah. I was just I guess I was just super active or whatever. But I would go like look in our pantries, you know, looking for just something that I can go eat and snack on, and I'd always open the pantry and I'd be like there's nothing here to eat, right? Like, just I ingredients, have, like, yeah, yeah. there's no what Mom, what is for dinner? What are we going to do? How
1: is there going to be a meal out of this, right? Like how how are you going to
0: yeah exactly exactly and then an an hour later i'd be eating the most delicious burritos out of i have no idea what (laughs) ingredients but there's no way i would have been able to like make anything you know for dinner but my mom
2: knew how to do it yeah. yeah and i and
0: honestly it was like there were there was like cans of tomatoes and there were you know there was rice and there was beans and not like cans of rice or cans of right. beans, but actual rice yeah. and actual beans. Real
2: and, whole food ingredients. Yeah, And where... then she would
0: go make her tortillas with flour and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, you know, as a kid, obviously, to me, there's nothing to eat. But then as a mom who's trying to figure out how to, you know, eat, feed her family on a budget, like, I guess she knew exactly what yeah. was for dinner, which I thought was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and to I think that's amazing that you had the experience of growing up where there was real food in the house. And um, I think so much in our society is shifting away from that into packaged foods where um, it is all ready to eat. You just have to open the pantry, open the bag, open the box, um, and you have food there. I don't know, um, you know, Michael Pollan, who's an amazing... Author who's written quite a bit about our food culture and society um, would call those items more of a food like product. Um, yeah. Where, you know, truly cooking um, a healthful meal is just like what your mom did, where she has a pantry full of ingredients that are in and of themselves what they are. So the one ingredient in rice is rice, one ingredient in beans yeah. is beans. And, um, you put those together to make a meal. It's not, um, these packaged food like products where, you know, you'll read the ingredients and it looks more like a tube of toothpaste than a, an actual food. Yeah. Right. And
0: then, I mean, you know, if, if you're adding ingredients, you're adding ingredients like garlic and right. salt and butter and not things that I can't pronounce.
2: Yeah. And it's, it can be really intimidating if you're not familiar in the kitchen, if you're not familiar with those whole food ingredients. Um, it can absolutely be intimidating to, like you said as a kid, you know, walk in and open the pantry and see these ingredients and not see how they can come together. And the pantry SB is really focused on making that transition to looking in your pantry and seeing items to putting that onto a plate as easy as possible.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up the Pantry SB because um you were talking about your transition to the <laughs> uh, you know, from checking off all the boxes yeah. to, you know, sort of transitioning into something something different. So um, like for me too, kind of with yoga, I felt like I was at the job, you know, nine to five, sitting behind a desk and it was kind of comfortable also, you know. Yeah. And it's like I think a lot of people have that, like, that urge to get more or be more, or be more impactful, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why I kind of, you know, switched from checking my boxes off and, um, going to, uh, you know, going to teach yoga. And, um, so, you know, how, how did you make that transition and how did, um, you know, how did you come up with that? How did you have the courage and and everything yeah. to kind of, leave from the the comfort of that to following sort of your dream and your passion and creating something from that.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think courage is such a great word for that because um, it any change is pretty scary, let alone one that affects your income. And yeah. so thankfully, um, my husband and I were in a situation that uh, my paycheck did not make or break our living expenses. Um, and so that took a lot of the burden off of the risk yeah um but it's it was still pretty scary um in leaving those that I have worked with for five years those that I had built friendships with relationships with um I didn't know exactly what that would look like afterwards and a lot of that um kind of continued my own um introspection and work on you know kind of myself and trying to figure out how to maintain those connections and relationships. Um, but it ultimately came down to really wanting to just try something different and not let um, what I had expected of myself and how I thought my life should be um, dictate how I made my choices.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's, that's so good. The shoulds, right? The shoulds, the shoulds yeah. The should statements are like, you know they, I feel hold, hold us back, hold me, they held me back. And every once in a while, I still feel myself saying I should be doing this or that. And it's like, you know, it's, it's good to be able to kind of put that off to the side. And yeah, I mean,
2: shoulds are, are great when you're goal setting. Um, but ultimately it's the actions. It's not the shoulds that get you there. And Ultimately, I think they do much, the shoulds do a lot more harm than they do good.
1: Right, because they kind of create expectations, right? Yeah. And so for uh, one of the things I, I really like to, um, I sort of recently learned was um, we, Kevin and I actually learned it, was having the possibility of something happening, you know, and, and putting it out there and kind of, you know, putting that as a goal even. Yeah. Um, and just having it as a possibility so that then when, you know, if, or if it gets unmet or unfulfilled, all you're really left with is just more possibility, like the same possibility mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe a different possibility. But, you know, it's still there's still action to be done. Right. Um, versus, you know, you set an expectation and you if that then goes unfulfilled or unmet, then you have this, you know, upset or this. You feel like a failure. Yeah. You didn't
2: meet your expectations. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so too, I think just kind of switching that mindset a little bit um, from those, those shoulds and just, like like, like you said, just kind of allow yourself to live the life that
2: you want to live. Yeah. And taking a look at what, how, what's getting you to those choices and those decisions, you know, really looking at that, is it um, a true desire that you have? Is it actually more of a fear that you're trying to avoid that was how I've lived a lot of my life was avoid making choices, not necessarily based on what I specifically wanted, but in avoidance of fear. Yeah. Um, And I think so many people can relate to that. I don't think that's unique and, um, but when you really start looking at why you're making the choices you are, uh, it allows you to make some choices that you might not have made in, you know, previously in other stages of your life. Totally.
0: And it's like, where does that fear come from? Right? Like, you know, Oftentimes that fear comes from past experiences that you've, that either you've had or you've learned because somebody else right. has kind of told you their experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you think of your, of like little kids, they don't have that knowledge. And so they just live life carefree. Right. Yeah, they just go for it. You know, I mean, the, I guess the one advantage they have is, you know, they don't have bills and, and the concept of money and all that kind <laughs> responsibilities, of responsibilities. <stuff>. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but still they're, they're just, they're living their life carefree, like you say. Right. And, yeah wouldn't it be nice to be able to get back to that place of, of living carefree and yeah,
2: childlike joy. I anything's
0: mean, possible, right?
2: Yeah. And I, I know they talk about this in yoga, um, you know, being childlike, not in your behavior so much, but as in your mindset and um, letting that playfulness come out that as the years go on and you get older and the responsibilities and experiences build up, um, it ends up blocking that, that joy and that fun, that, is still there. You just have to get to it.
0: Yeah. And I actually feel like you, like you're, you're liable to do your better work when you're having fun too, right? If you like are so on edge or so serious about something and you're so focused and that that is likely because you have an expectation, right? Mm -hmm. And you're trying to meet that expectation. Whereas if you're having fun, things are coming to you naturally and you're more liable to create and be creative and think of things you might not have thought of otherwise. And, you know, yeah, it comes to you a little easier.
2: There's a quote, and I can't remember who, who said it, but it's um, you know, chance or luck. Per luck favors the luck favors chance and preparedness. So nobody's actually lucky. Yeah, there's the right circumstance and there's the right attitude that you saw that as being the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. that's and, great, and that's like where your that. luck comes from.
0: I was I was listening to something today. Um, and, and the girl was talking and she said, um, she said, I always, I always like to say that the best way to predict the future is to create the future. Mm. And I was like, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. You know? And I think it's real, right. You, I, f- I feel like oftentimes people, I know I've been in this bucket before where I felt like I, you know, there's been times where I didn't feel like I had the ability to impact the future, right. Mm-hmm. In certain aspects. And, now I kind of realize that I, that I do, yeah. you know, and and it's, it's, you know, through my words, but, I'll, and then my words create my actions. Right. right. And so, you know, you, you can impact the future, especially as it relates to you and your future specifically.
2: And every choice, every, yeah. every choice you make, uh, will either help you get there or not. And, yeah. um, it's pretty powerful knowing that.
0: Yeah. So so, what was it about cooking specifically that that really got your interest and where you find a passion for it
2: yeah so i i I really wanted there to be an opportunity where I could make food my my livelihood my job um something that I spent my entire day doing, and I knew what I didn't want to do, which is pretty par for when you let fear run your life <laughs> you know? uh, I knew i did not want to serve people. I didn't want to right, open a restaurant and run a restaurant. I did not want to continue the perpetuum of the food. What's it called? The food
1: industry.
2: food industry. The food industry. Um, the food. It me. But perpetuate. Um, just the convenience culture, of food, right? the culture of food, yeah. you know, I just wanted, I wanted to be able to kind of make a change. And the way that I saw that opportunity was through education and, um, through demonstration videos, essentially. So mm. there's so many, there's so much media out there already. Um, there's, you know, on YouTube, you can find how to cook anything. Um, but a lot of it these days, at least with food is, uh, chefs have become a personality. It's no longer necessarily about how you get from point A to point B. It's about the stories that these chefs are telling you to make that connection, which is great for TV channels and companies and brands. But I wanted to make it something quick and easy. So um, along with the demo videos, getting all of the ingredients that you need for those recipes um, was a tangible product that our community could actually get their hands on it's essentially a customized in-your-home um, cooking lesson. You know, you have all of the ingredients right there that are all pre-measured. You have the demo video showing you every step of the way. It, um, if, if used in the, same, in the correct mindset that we intend it to, you're starting to see these common themes. You're seeing how simple it is to really just cook a steak real quick, to cook a chicken breast real quick. Um, to pair that with an amazing side dish that's veggie-based, how easy it is to put together a salad with homemade dressing. So the passion for me came through the empowerment of others, really making sure that everybody had at least the basic skills to get dinner on the table.
1: Yeah, and I think the quickness. I mean, it can be (laughs) super intimidating you know, after a long day to come home and feel like, oh my gosh, now I have to cook like a homemade from scratch meal. And I think that people just don't realize how quick and easy it actually can be. Yeah. Um, and we've used the service. We've you know, we've From used, the very
2: beginning. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's it's even blown my mind a few times where it's just like you know, I mean, I, I grew up with, you know, mom cooking and, you know, having those home cooked meals and everything and, um, and then even, you know, just cooking on my own, but it took, you know, it took a little bit longer here and there and, um, but having this sort of streamlined, you know, everything's delivered to you, everything's, uh, you know, ready to go and uh, it just, it was amazing. It, it is amazing, you right. know. Yeah, it's an amazing experience. Thank you.
0: So, and for those who don't know what the service is, I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, it's your business that you created, right? Yeah. Um, what's it called again?
2: The Pantry SB. The
0: Pantry SB.
2: Located in Santa Barbara, California. Yeah,
0: and so, as Mallory said, we're members of the service, and we enjoy it trem- tremendously for reasons, which I'll share in a little, in a little bit. But yeah. one thing I just learned right now, which I didn't realize... Cause it's not, it isn't necessarily all about convenience um, and, you know, delivering food in the proper portions and all that, but it's about education. Yeah. So, which is really cool.
2: Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's so many different angles for, you know, for fits within our community for the service. It's, it is the convenience factor is a huge one. Um, Having something that you already have in the fridge, ready to go, you know, it'll be food on your table within 30 to 40 minutes. That's pretty powerful. Um, but it's not just for people who are used to cooking. It is for the the people who have no idea how to cook. Um, we are finding that in most um, relationships, there is usually one cook and one eater. <laughs> and I think um, the relationships benefit the most when our service comes in and the eater starts contributing as the cook. Yeah. And um, that adds an entire different um, dimension to the relationship that wasn't there before, which can be really empowering. So yeah, there's the, the convenience factor, the education factor. We try and use new and interesting ingredients. So you're exposed to ingredients that you might not normally choose on your own. Um, you don't have to commit to a whole bottle of fish sauce. We'll just give you two tablespoons. Yeah. Um, and then there is the sustainable aspect where we really try and partner with our local farms, our local vendors there's amazing local produce. Um, obviously, there are some times of the month when you can't or some times of the year when you can't get tomatoes, and right. they end up coming from Mexico. But for the most part, we work closely with the farms um, to try and provide that level and quality of ingredients also.
0: Yeah, so uh, one, one thing that attracts me to the service is that I know oftentimes Mallory and I would sit on the couch and it's like, what do you want to eat for dinner? What do you want to eat for dinner? Oh, the know, choice,
2: what you, yeah. What do you want to eat for dinner?
0: And then it's, <laughs> yeah. and then it's like, okay, well we've gone out the last three or four times in a row. So we probably should cook something. Yeah. And we want to kind of cook something healthy. So now we have to go to the grocery store and we have to grab all the ingredients. First we have to decide what we're yes, gonna cook. The decision. And then we have to go buy all the ingredients, right? And, the, and I don't know if, if you guys know this or not, but when you go to the grocery store, they don't have everything in serving size portions. <laughs> you so you have to go buy all that, right? And then you you go make a mess in your kitchen, and when you're all done with it, you're left with either a ton of food that you mm-hmm. made or a ton of like extras that you didn't use or right. whatever. And, and you do four or five of, the, of that, and you have a bunch of stuff in your pantry which you think, like, yeah, I'll use that later. That's cool, but... You don't. No, you don't, right? <laughs> and so that for all those reasons, I, I think that, you know, the, the pantry SB service is, is great. Yeah. But um, so I wanted to share that. But, al- but also, I was hearing you talk around what, like, the service provides. Mm-hmm. And I can I can think of, you know, 10 different things that you said um, that would probably be reason enough for you to be passionate about, about doing that. Yeah. But what are some examples that you like get excited that sort of get you excited around your job and what you're delivering?
2: I I love the recipe development side of things. Um, Taking new concepts, new um, you know, using seeing new ingredients that you might not use in new ways. Um, Taking you know a rutabaga that you might not even identify in the store. You know, you might not even know what that is. And giving people, you know, ultimately we have a couple different recipes with rutabagas, so you can see them roasted, you can see them um, pureed, you can see them raw. Um, That gets me excited. And hearing from customers that, um, you know, we've had a couple of long-term customers who we see cancel their subscription, and I'll reach out and just say, you know, thank you for your time. We'd love to hear what your experience was, Um, you know, essentially asking, well, what changed? Why'd you cancel? And we get emails back saying, you know, through your service as a family, we've come together and learned how to meal plan and shop and basically learned how to cook for ourselves, right? Which is our ultimate goal to empower those home chefs who historically didn't have either the the courage, or the wherewithal, um, the knowledge to use what was in the pantry, and, and work together as a team. That's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like so. You know, it sounds to me like there's what I'm kind of hearing is like you you like creating, right? Yeah.
2: It's it believe so. I for a long time didn't identify this as such, but it is a creative process.
0: Yeah. Totally. New recipes. And yeah.
2: All. And. Um, you like I,
0: helping people. It sounds like. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Making it easy. Um, for people to get in the kitchen who would normally not, um, who would normally be intimidated, who would let the fear make them choose to go out to dinner as opposed to trying something new in the kitchen. Um, Yeah, it's...
1: Yeah, and opening, opening their eyes to new ingredients, like you were saying. I mean, it's so easy... To get stuck in a rut, you know, and like in life, yeah. in, in cooking, in mm-hmm. yoga, in golf, I mean, in any anything really, you know, it's like you start these patterns of like repetition and they start becoming what you're used to, what you're comfortable in and sort of like builds a little box around yeah of like protection and comfort Comfort zone yeah yeah. your comfort zone and so you know me included going out and seeing a rutabaga it's like that's I'm not going to reach for that that's not the first thing I do but then to get it in this box and and see it and work with it and it's like it's opening up a sort of new possibility a new realm right even of like whoa I didn't know that I could cook this and yeah. that it would turn out this way or, or that
2: I could eat it raw. Yeah. I, it looks like it's so scary. It would need to yeah. be cooked for hours. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. Which I think, I mean, for me, that's one of the cool things of, you know, just interacting with people and, and even in yoga, kind of pushing people outside of their comfort zones yeah. a little bit and showing them that it's okay to try new things and, you know, experience, um, something new for the first time, you know, even if you think you've tried everything, right, you know, be open a little bit more to those sort of experiences.
2: Be receptive to it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I like that you were able to create a, a business out of, you know, cooking, which is your passion, right? Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, I'm kind of trying, I'm actually trying to do the same thing with golf. Yeah. You know, in my mind, I always used to think, for a long time. Wow, if I only had enough money and enough time, I can go sit on the golf course all day and become a professional golfer. And, right. that's, and that's how I'm gonna make money you know, doing golf. Yeah, But <laughs> there's so what, many different venues, yeah, yeah. Golf's like a billion dollar industry right. that's more than just the professional golfers on the PGA Tour, exactly, right? Exactly, so, yeah. If you just kind of what Mallory is saying, you know, if you open your mind to different possibilities and you're and you're open to receiving, you know, those things, you you probably you likely could create a business out of anything that you're passionate about, right? Absolutely,
2: mm. and a lot of it is making sure the market's ready for it. It's, um, you know, this style of company has started popping up. We uh, got on pretty early on when there was maybe only one or two other national vendors doing similar things. And it's been great to ride their coattails. They've educated the population for us. So it's um, a relatively new concept, the idea of being a subscription service that delivers ingredients and recipes. And um, that's something that within the last two to three years has really exploded. And so to be able to be kind of on the forefront of that has been um, challenging but we also have these national vendors who are spending kuku bucks on advertising to educate our consumers um and then we're able to come in and say oh hey you know you know that concept that you haven't heard of until blue apron or plated come in and do it um and then we say but you know we actually offer a local version with local vendors and an educational component so um I think it's also so important to realize that just because it's being done doesn't mean you can't do it better. Yeah, and that's major to not let that um, deter you from you know following your heart and following your desires. You know, yeah. it's of course um, coming up with the, the novel idea always seems to be the most powerful. And when you find something that's not being done, that's great. You can create the market for it. But if the market's already there. And the consumers are already educated. There's usually a way for you to come in and do it better.
0: Yeah, I also just kind of think like if you're if you're genuinely offering you know a good service or you're or you're trying to better your community or you're coming from a place of helping others out. Yeah, I think that if you just put faith in yourself, you can build that into a company, right? Like it, even if it if it's brand new or if it already exists, right? For sure. Um, I think you ultimately I think you can get out of something as much as you put into it. And it's just, you don't like, yeah, Home Depot exists, but if, if hardware is your passion, you, you probably could create a local, you know, hardware store and, and facilitate your, your absolutely local, you know, and you just, you, you have to put your, your energy and your time and believe in yourself in it and, and not, and kind of set that fear aside. I feel yeah.
2: like. And be patient with it. I mean, I, um, ooh, am so quick to compare myself to these national vendors who are doing things on a scale that is l- pretty unbelievable to me. Um, we started this company from the ground up. There was no venture capital. There wasn't any funding. Um, we we took the money in, our money and invested it, and that just speaks to the scale of it. It doesn't speak to the success of it. And that's something that I need to constantly remind myself because if we had the same cash flow or, um, you know, um, capital, capital to work off of, (laughs) um, our scale would be totally different also. But I think, um, you also lose something when you're working on something at such a large level and especially since we're trying to focus on the local component of it, trying to keep it small, trying to keep it personal is really important to me also.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. And I think that that's, you know, ultimately where it it starts to grow into something bigger than maybe you've even thought. I mean, you're you're getting these local farmers, you know, and, and providing them with you know, not a service, but you're, you're, um, creating business with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not to say that it it can't go bigger. I mean, there are local communities all around the world that have wonderful local resources. And, um, and so I think that's the beautiful part though of this, you know, is, is really the sort of grassroots of it. And, and, and especially in Santa Barbara, I mean, it's like the most perfect community for that, that were all of the very receptive and, yeah. um, I feel like there's, there's even a movement kind of in general towards like more localized, fresh, healthy food, um, in communities outside of even California, which yeah. I know, um, we're pretty lucky to, to live here and, and have that sort of mindset, but right. I think it's kind of catching on around, uh, you know, around the world or yeah. around the U S at least.
0: Yeah, I mean you know, even these these bigger companies that you're talking about that put you know have a lot of capital and putting a lot of money into it, um, you know, ultimately these companies started from somebody's idea, right? Yeah. And likely somebody's passion. Yep. You know, I doubt I doubt some you know somebody who was interested in in dog walking created these companies to right. to grow them as as big as they are now right like it yeah. probably started from somebody like you who was passionate about cooking and wanted to get um you know get these meals into households as well or some sort yeah. of similar idea so started somewhere right
2: I sure yeah and, and I sure hope that's you know I I sure hope that's the case I know there are a lot of companies out there who um you know are just trying to make a buck. There's a lot of that going on, also, and um, that's not to say that that's um, of lesser value. But I definitely, um, at least from a smaller, more local perspective, value the um, the passion that goes into it as yeah. opposed to just the the margin. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and as you, I mean, I think as you scale a business, you know, that it does tend to be a little bit more about being able to scale the business oh, and yeah. all that, but. I don't know. I guess the point I was trying to make is that it started from somebody's passion somewhere, even if it was a million dollar company who was passionate about the idea to start the business (laughs) because it could scale to where it was. Right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it was a new industry. It's a new, um, a new concept that, uh, somebody came up with, which was pretty ballsy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, What? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, you know, along the lines of cooking, we're talking about you're kind of like the business that you created. Um, what's What are some things that you enjoy around cooking that aren't related to your business?
2: Oh, so there is uh, with the pantry SB. We definitely focus on trying to be sensitive to time to our consumers' time. We don't want to keep you in the kitchen for two hours. Um, what I then don't have the joy in sharing with you is all of the low and slow braising techniques that I am just kind of obsessed with. Oh yeah, there we go. So, um, you know, no short ribs, Mm. no ribs, no carnitas, um, all of that good stuff that just takes time that, um, and it's not active time. It's not time that you are actually have to stand in the kitchen watching that thing roast for four hours, but it does have to roast for four hours for you to get the desired result. And yeah. so um, that is still something that I am able to play with in my own home that um, I have yet to be able to to share with my customers. But, um, you know, there are so many ways that that can be achieved pretty easily and hands-free, the crock pot being a huge one. Um, but we don't assume – Um, with the pantry SB we don't assume that everybody has a crock pot and so what happens when you write a recipe that is intended to cook for four hours or eight hours in a crock pot that people don't have that time for so um
0: but what is it about like what is it about slow roasting something for four hours that just kind of like gets you like you're like yeah I'm gonna do that
2: there's you can't Get the end result without waiting for it. Yeah, you just you have to put in the time. It's just like extra love that's going into it. Or yeah, not. it's yeah. something
0: to be said for time, right? And you you mentioned patience earlier, right? And it's like you got to be patient. And yeah. Like if you know, we talk about like you know, sort of set your fears aside and go do something that you're passionate about, and um, uh, you know, oftentimes, especially these days, we're kind of in a society of instant gratification. Oh yeah. And it's like, if, Great if, time. if only, you know, like, and, and golf is a passion of mine. Right. And, um, and that
2: takes a lot of time too. You know, That's not, takes, <laughs> yeah,
0: so, so a golf <laughs> takes a ton of time, but also like, you know, one of the, one of my biggest goals in golf is to shoot the best score I possibly can. Right. And if yeah. only I could just go out to the golf course right now and do it. Right. Wouldn't that be incredible. Right. But there's time involved and there's steps that need to be taken yeah. in order for you to get the best possible outcome. And so. I don't know, I, I'm sure there's a lesson there, um, you know, to be learned for the greater audience out there, and that, yeah. you know, just because it something, your your desired result doesn't happen right this instant doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, likely you should learn patience and maybe give it a little more time and effort. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel there is some saying or quote or idea concept about, you know, um, because I feel like there is that that sort of failure, right? And and we feel like on the precipice of failure, um, we give up, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like we there's the time that goes into something, and then it's kind of like we don't see it happening. We don't feel like it's it's on our terms. Progressing the we, way we expect. We yeah. give up, but then. I've heard it somewhere. I don't know exactly how it goes, but right. It's like, if you're able to just push through that, like one time, you're going to get something way different. You know, you're going to exceed your expectations Yeah, and you're like on the brink of something at the moment that you really feel like you want to give up. Right. And I think it's that just pushing through that mindset. Right. It's like, you know, typically I would give up right now. And it's like if you're able to sort of make that switch and just you know push it out a little bit longer, or you know make an adjustment here or tweak there, um, and then you know just sort of see see how it how it plays out. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I
0: don't know. Well, you also said. Um, a really interesting word there which I think plays a key role of being impatient is expectations, right? Mm. Yeah, so it's like we're we're expecting some result to happen in this short amount of time And when you don't meet your expectation in this short amount of time then like as you said earlier You get upset or you get angry yeah. or you whatever it is. Yeah failure, Yeah, and then you give up right whereas if you if you leave it to creating a possibility of I would like to create the possibility of achieving this result within this certain certain time frame. And you don't achieve that possibility within that certain time frame, well then you can create a new possibility. Yeah. But you weren't expecting anything. You were just creating that that possibility for that to happen. And if it happens, you're ecstatic, right? And you go on to the next thing. But if it doesn't happen, well you can you can choose to create the same possibility again and see if you can get it or not, right? Or
1: go, go about it in a a different way, maybe, you (laughs) know, approach it differently. Now knowing what you've learned, you know, by putting your time and effort into it and seeing the results you got from doing
2: that. Yeah.
0: Have you ever screwed up a recipe?
2: Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) I was going to say always, but I was going to
0: say it didn't, it didn't cause you to stop cooking immediately.
2: No, I mean, gosh, uh, when I first started cooking totally on the fly in college, on my own, there were some disasters. <laughs> and I think that just has to happen. So the only way you can learn, right, totally. is by totally screwing up a flavor profile and then being like, whoa, I really shouldn't have added the honey to, who know? I mean, honey's good in everything. So I'm you not know, sure that's the really, great example. but <laughs> It
1: really is. And the weirdest thing, I mean, I'm pregnant right now, so it might be that. But I, I think I've had this when I wasn't pregnant. It's really good is honey on deep dish pizza oh god i know it sounds crazy but you said honey <laughs> and um at patchy's the deep dish pizza place here in town oh they they do put they serve honey, honey, honey. Okay. and I, I thought too i thought this is disgusting like who why are they serving honey like are we are we ordering tea like right what is it doing next to the like parmesan and peppers
2: and little I tried did you know it and
1: it blew my mind it
2: was delicious so, so yeah it, obviously that was a bad example well, i gave no, no, no. <laughs> so in my mind i'm
0: i'm thinking well it's a good thing you preface that with you're pregnant because everybody who's listening to this would think you're crazy yeah. <laughs> but but then you just you just mentioned a restaurant that's a deep dish pizza restaurant that does have honey on every single table yeah. so it, it might be, a, be thing, a
1: thing yeah i, think I it's know. a thing i don't know i i'd never tried it before but in that case it worked right yeah. so maybe honey on something else didn't work right, right. like you're saying but someone out there was like I'm going to try honey on this deep dish pizza and it worked.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I was listening to uh, NPR was doing an interview with Elon Musk and they asked him point blank, like, how do you balance, um, you know, your expectations of quality with the failure needed for innovation? And that's something pretty powerful. Yeah. That you just, um, don't always think about as taking risks as, um being innovative and that's the only way that you can innovate is by being okay with failure. Mm. And um I think that that's what ended up getting me most comfortable in the kitchen was trying to wing it on my own and coming up with terrible combinations um that then you start to realize okay that doesn't really go well with that or you start looking at how you're building a recipe or flavors um, and trying to get that balance of sweet, salty, savory, um, and then texture being a huge component of that also is all of your ingredients, just mushy. Cause that's yeah. not going to be satisfying adding in something creamy, adding in something crunchy. Um,
1: and I, like growing up and stuff, you have always been a textural oh, yeah. person and I never really, I mean, I love like the pudding and the jello, and, and I know that you don't really <laughs> like that kind of stuff, but like. it it, it's interesting and it takes a certain mind I think to have that um awareness of of the texture I mean for me it just sort of was like oh you know this is a great dish or whatever but I but then in talking with you and kind of learning about that it's like that is amazing about you know how how you um what oh okay how you uh you know how you build that and yeah yeah
2: It's, it's a lot like painting where you have to start with a base coat and then you need to add a next layer on top of that and another layer on top of that. And it's just a matter of, um, knowing your preferences, knowing if you like something on the savory or on the sweet side, if you like something with a lot of acid, um, and then tasting as you go. Um, making coleslaw is a great example of that because you have the creamy base, you have acid in it, and people like those balances differently. Some people like really sweet coleslaw, sweet and tons of mayo. Yeah. Other people like it more like a dressing or a vinaigrette where it's more vinegar-based and sour. Um, and all you have to do is keep tasting as you go, and you can end up in totally different areas.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I'm trying to figure out where, what the common theme of because you said something earlier where, where you just kind of have to sort of let your your set, your, your fears aside yeah. or something like that. And I I feel like that when, when you're willing to set your fears aside, that truly kind of almost defines passion, right? Because yeah. you don't care if you, you, you don't care if you fail or not, you're, you're in it no matter what. Right. And like, you know, I, and I'm sure like when I'm on the golf course, I have bad days. There, sure. there are days where the whole, I spent five and a half or six plus hours on the golf course when i could have been you know sitting on my couch or hanging out with my wife but yeah. i chose to go out to the golf course cuz i thought it was going to be fun and fulfilling and, yeah and fulfilling and i just had the worst day ever right but even the worst day on the golf course for me is still awesome and i still want to go back for more and i want to try to figure out what went wrong the next time so i can so i can fix it and so you know i think that's kind of like what defines passion maybe mm-hmm. but so when you Have you ever had those days in the kitchen where you're just like, yeah, I'm going to go create this awesome meal. And then just the whole day went wrong. And then if you have like what brought you what's how are you able to bounce back from that? Like
2: trying again. And um, I will admit something that I probably shouldn't admit in front of our customers. But (laughs) the majority of our recipes, the demo video that you see is the first time I make that meal. So aside from, I think that's
0: impressive. I don't, it adds I don't a level. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's tot-
2: It's kind of shocking, and <laughs> and it also kind of explains some of the duds that we have. You know, not every recipe is going to be outstanding, excellent, five stars. Everybody has different preferences, but um, and a success to me could be a total failure to somebody else. A failure to me could totally be a success for somebody else, yeah. and so. Um, there are absolutely days where I think I've totally got this recipe down. No questions asked. This will be easy, no-brainer, perfect. And you put it together and it doesn't work out. And the, the self-doubt that can come from that can be pretty powerful. Um, not just the one failure, but you know, if that along with some pretty intense customer feedback, you know, it makes you start thinking. Who am I to do this? What am I, you know? And then you write another recipe and try it again for the first time, and it's a success. And that's where um, the awe and excitement comes from for me.
0: Well, and you, you, you kind of you have a bit of a customer base to sort of gauge what success and yeah. why, uh, what is successful and what's not successful. Um, whereas maybe some other people in in different areas, like me, for example, in golf, or maybe Mallory in yoga if if i'm unsuccessful on the golf course it's it's for me i'm unsuccessful in my mind mm-hmm. but if i were to share with you know 10 other golfers what my score was that day they would probably be like oh that's really good right. score right so there's there it is it is a perspective right mm-hmm. there is a certain level of perspective and then there's also the the sort of the story that you tell yourself in your head right and you can you the thing about telling your story to yourself in your head is you can choose to tell whatever story you want to, yep. right? Yep,
2: whether it's true or not, and yeah. usually it's not.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> how, does, how does that play on the uh, yoga mat?
1: Um. Well, for me, I mean, I don't think there's any failure on the yoga mat. It's like you're on but, your yoga but mat. But wait a minute, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> I know that's the philosophy, Yeah. What really
1: yeah, yeah, I mean... Uh, No, but even then, I really try to practice that towards myself, you know, that just showing up on my yoga mat is a success. And whatever happens from there is just, you know, that's the practice. It's a journey. And, you know, it's really, I don't know. I mean, I, I show up on my mat and I've, you know, eaten differently and I've processed the day differently and I've had different interactions with different people and that affects me. And, And so I'm showing up each time to my mat as kind of a different person. And so it's, it's hard to say, I mean, sure. There are some certain successes where, you know, I feel like, Oh great. You know, I can finally sort of, you know, kick up and and hang and handstand for a couple of seconds. Or there's other days where I flip over and I, you know, fall on my back and I don't see either one as, you know, really a six. And I, I think this is true for anything really. Like, it is whatever you want it to be, you know. It's whatever you define it to be. Um, and so I really, I do try to practice that on my mat. And it's it's easier, I think, sort of to practice that on my mat than in the rest of my life where there's a lot more sort of societal um, Influences, influence yeah. and, and uh, those should statements as we were talking about and sort of um, – and that sort of stuff, but, you know, for me, falling over, it's like we were just talking about, you know, you got to fall over a few, you know, multiple times, hundreds of times before you're going to get the handstand, and once you get the handstand, it's like, I don't even, you know, there's there's progress beyond that, um, and it's not to say that that's a success. I think it's an ongoing process. There's never, you know, going to be this end point in my yoga practice where it's like, okay, I'm done i i've done it right it's, it's done it's like you know it's a journey
0: yeah well i guess that because at that point um if you don't get to your mat and practice yoga then you're no longer a yoga practicer right
2: a yogi yeah 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 it's
0: like i'm a golfer right now because i go golf but if i were to stop golfing for ever then would i be a golfer anymore so I, I, anyway the i think uh, a good what what sort of intrigues me by what you were saying is that you as long as you're doing it, you are that. Right? Yeah. No, no matter what story you're telling yourself in your head of if you're the best or the worst. So to go out and do it.
1: Yeah. Yep. The action. Give it a try. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, good. I think uh Alexis, well, we enjoyed uh having you um as a guest on our podcast. Yeah, it was so fun.
2: Thank you for having me guys. Thanks
1: for coming on and sharing with us. Yeah. It was fun talking with you. Awesome.
0: Yeah, we'll have to bring you back again at some point, maybe. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone.
2: Thanks. Bye. Talk about a hole in Um.